Hello, how's everybody doing? Good, nice to see you today. If you, we haven't had the chance to meet, my name is John. I'm able to serve here as the student pastor. And I'm so excited to be able to share what God has laid on my heart. I'm so excited to be able to come up here and just speak and kind of share what we're talking about. So today we're going to continue on in our series titled Choose Joy. And if you haven't been here to be with us yet, uh, what we've been talking about is how each and every one of us have the option, we have the ability to make a decision to choose joy in our life. Do you know that the average human makes 35,000 decisions every single day? Every single day, 35,000 decisions. That could be small decisions like, what do I need to wear? It could be small decisions like, what's the route, the best route to take to work? Um, I chose to wear this outfit. You chose to wear the outfit you're wearing. It could also be a little bit more complex decisions, a little harder. It can be decisions like, oh, what am I going to do with this problem at work? Uh, My boss has been uh, on my back a little bit. What am I going to do? Or how am I going to raise my child in this specific situation? What am I going to do in this parenting choice? We all make decisions each and every day. And this series is about one more decision we can make is we can choose to have joy. See, joy isn't based on our circumstances. Joy isn't found in our situations. Joy is found in our choices. And so just like any other decision, though, sometimes we can be a little indecisive. Is there anybody in here that's indecisive? If you're thinking about raising your hand, you're probably indecisive. Just going to throw that out. Um, welcome. My, name, I, my name's John. I'm also indecisive, just so you know. Congratulations. Nice to meet you. Um, I wish I wasn't indecisive, but I am. Uh, I'm usually never the person to like, choose where we're going to go eat at a restaurant um, or choose what I'm going to. I'll cook dinner any night of the week. Just don't make me pick. Um, my wife, Taylor, loves that about me. It's her favorite thing. Not at all. A little annoying, but it's all right. Um, <laughs> One story that Taylor likes to tell just about our, my indecisiveness, which I love, is a couple years ago we went on vacation to Atlanta. And so we were going to spend the whole week in Atlanta. The Padres were coming into town to play the Braves, so we were going to go watch them. And we were so excited. And what made it even better is on the way to the trip, Taylor was like, you know what, I will make every single decision for this trip. You don't have to choose anything except for one choice. I'm like, I get a vacation and I got to choose anything? This is my kind of trip. I'm excited. So she planned what day or what day, get what games, what seats we were going to sit in. She planned what day we were going to the Coca-Cola factory, what day we went to the aquarium, what day we did this. She chose everything. I didn't make any choice except for one. The one choice I had to make was we always try to go on like one nice date night every time we go on vacation, just dress up a little nicer and go out to eat. I had to choose what restaurant that we went to. And I know that sounds simple, but just... It's me. I'm indecisive. We already talked about it. So I got it down to two choices. It came up. The, I did research before, though. I was looking like reviews. What was the best reviews? What restaurants were the best to go to? Uh, what was the best? We were going on a Wednesday. So is there a slower restaurant on a Wednesday we could go? I, I did all kind of reviews. I did all kind of research. Found two options. Number one was this Brazilian steakhouse. You ever been to a Brazilian steakhouse? So good. You get a little card. If it's green, they bring you more meat. If it's red, they'll pause for a second. And you can turn it back green later. Oh, it's amazing. My kind of place. I'm all all on for that. The second option was this really cool Italian restaurant. And Italian restaurants have always been really cool for me and Taylor. We hold it kind of special. Our first date was at an Italian restaurant. Anytime we go on a date night here, we try to go to an Italian restaurant. That's just something special. So it was this really cool Italian restaurant that was option two. That was in a tall building that overlooked all of Atlanta. Really cool. So I had it down to those two options. Now it's not so simple, is it? Now you're kind of seeing where I come from. But I, so I got it down. We came up to the trip. Wednesday came along, and Taylor was like, all right, John, where are we going? I was like, I'll tell you. Just wait. had no idea. So we got all dressed up. Um, got all, I got my nice clothes on. I looked handsome. Taylor got a really pretty dress on. Looked beautiful, as always. We got in the car, and I'm like, all right, here we go. Uh, long story short, we ended up going to Del Taco drive-thru, and uh, 
uh, went back home. Um, by the time I made the decision, they both were closed. Um, so the one decision I had, it's all right. Hey, don't, don't, don't be upset. If you've never went through Del Taco drive-thru, dressed really nice, they give you a free taco. So definitely recommend that. Um, it's all turned out for the better. But I bring this up. I bring all this up because it's tough being stuck between two things. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been stuck between two different outcomes, two different choices? You know, sometimes it can be harder. I'm not talking about restaurants. Let's think more serious now. And sometimes there's real situations in our life that we get stuck between two different options. And it can be hard to choose those. And so today, this series, we're walking through this letter of Philippians that Paul wrote. And we're going to be looking at a passage today that Paul was kind of stuck between two options. And so the letter of Philippians, if you've never read it or if you didn't know, Paul wrote the letter of Philippians while he was in prison. Um, he was arrested, he was in jail, but not only was he in jail, he also had this thing going on where they were content, contemplating executing him. They were contemplate putting him to death. So Paul is in prison, he might be put to death, he might get to keep living, he's not sure, and yet he still wrote this really powerful letter of joy, of perseverance, of how to overcome things. So today we're going to dive into his letter. Um, we're going to be in Philippians 1, verses 20 through 24. So let's read that together. It says, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Paul's in a really big debate here, right? He has two possible outcomes of what might happen. He's, he's in prison, and he knows one of two things is possible. One of two things is going to happen. I'm going to get to keep living and keep, get, keep getting to live for Christ, or I'm unfortunately going to be put to death, and I'm not going to be able to keep living. He has two possible outcomes, and in his mind, he's not sure which one is going to be the better outcome for him, which one's going to be more positive. That verse 21 is a really big verse, and I'm, most of us have heard it. It's really powerful. It says, for me to live is Christ and die is gain. And that verse is powerful, but sometimes it can be a little confusing. So today we're simply just going to dive, we're going to dive into that and kind of break it up into two different parts. So the first part, Paul says, living is Christ. To live is Christ. What does Paul mean? Well, Paul simply means this. To him, when it came to Paul personally, living for him meant living at Christ at the center of everything. No matter what happened, no matter what he faced, no matter what he did, no matter the decision, he lived in a way that Christ was at the center Back in this time, if you lived with, around the same time period that Paul did, if you encountered him, whether you'd known him for 20 years or 20 seconds, you were going to walk away from that conversation better knowing Jesus because of Paul. No matter if you, if you loved him, if you hated him, you were going to leave that conversation knowing more about Christ because of Paul's life. That's who Paul was, and he found joy in that. He found joy in doing work for the gospel and seeing the kingdom of Christ expand and more people getting to know Jesus because of who he was. He found fruit in that. He found joy in the fruit of his labor. I mean, look back at verse 22. It said, but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. Paul found joy in seeing the outcome of work in living for Christ. Paul chose joy while he chose living for Christ. There's a, there's a joy in seeing the fruit of our work, isn't there? There's kind of joy when you see the rewards of putting a lot of work into something. You know what I'm talking about? You just like finding joy after you put a lot of effort into something. Uh, my wife and I bought a house last December, so we've been in there for about six months. House is perfect. We, everything we need, it's amazing. Um, and as you know, when you buy a house, if you've ever bought a house, it comes with a lot of projects. Um, after and after, there's always something that came on. So Taylor took kind of the lead of all the projects. She kind of was in charge of that. Um, I had one project that I was really focused on. That was my thing I was going to do, and it was our yard. 
So our house was amazing, perfect. Our yard was not so good. Um, a lot of rocks, a lot of clay, a lot of sand, no grass whatsoever. And so when we moved in in December, I told Taylor, I was like, we are going to have grass in this. I'm going to get us to have grass. That is what I'm dedicated to. So for the past six months, I've been putting a lot of effort into it. I've picked up rocks. I've tilled it. I've raked it. I've laid out uh, all kind of lime, fertilizer, grass seed. I've tried to do everything I can to make sure we get grass. And I'm not going to stand up here and tell you my grass looks amazing. It doesn't. I'm, it's not perfect. But let me tell you, two weeks ago, I mowed my grass for the first time, and you would have thought I can't climb Mount Everest. Like, I walked off, and I walked inside, and I'm sweaty because I do stuff. I get sweaty. That's what happens. But I walked inside from mowing the grass. I walked out. I was like, Taylor, come look at this. Come look, look, look at this. She came out. And she's like, yeah, grass. Cool. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's grass. I grew it. I grew it. I did everything. And so being able to look at that grass and see it and be like, I cut that. Not only did I cut that, I made it grow. It was dirt before, and now it's grass. Ha ha. I felt so prideful. I'm telling you, it was so rewarding. We all know how rewarding it could be when we complete a task, right? You know what I'm talking about? When you spend so much time and seeing the result of work you put in, when you put work into the kingdom of Christ and see the fruit coming from that, the joy you can't compare it. It's so amazing. It is so rewarding being able to live a life dedicated and focused and putting the work in for Christ and then seeing the fruit that comes from that. There's joy in that, and that's what Paul's talking about. Paul learned that the best way to live is to live a life dedicated to Christ, to choose to live a life with Christ at the center, and then seeing the work that comes from that work is so rewarding. Paul found joy when he surrendered his life. I'll be honest with you guys, I love being a student pastor. It is the best thing I've ever got to done besides being married to Taylor. It is amazing. I love doing it. I love being able to find the, see the fruit from the work that I put into it. I find joy in getting to do what I get to do. Last weekend, we had 18 people get baptized. Joy. This week, being able to see the 13 graduates up on the stage, so much joy in that. Let me tell you another really cool thing that I got to see joy in. Uh, two week, not this past Thursday, but the Thursday before that and the Thursday before that, we had four students deliver the message to our students. Then we had four of our high school students get up in front of our entire student ministry and deliver the Word of God to them. And when I say deliver a word, I don't mean that I wrote a message and gave it to them. I didn't even give them a topic. No, for the past couple months, they've been praying and being focused. They've worked with myself and Stephen, one of their leaders, and we've spent time making sure that they are praying and asking God what to share, and they delivered four really powerful messages. Sarah talked about how we can have confident faith in who Christ made us to be. Josiah talked about how we can accept the victory that Jesus has already won for us. Josh talked about how God is still healing today right now if we have faith in him. And Jaden talked about how much our words matter and how we should speak Christ over everyone we come across. They gave four messages that I'm in the back like, yes, preach. They, it was awesome. They did so good. There's joy in that. There's joy in seeing, I find joy in seeing the students get up there and speak the gospel, speak Christ over their friends, over their peers, over their students. There's joy when you put work in for Christ. And Paul, this is the joy he's talking about. And this joy isn't just something for Paul to witness. It's not just for me to witness. All This joy is available for each and every one of us. You might not be called to student ministry. If you are, come talk to me. you got a place for you to serve. I'm just throwing that out there. Shameful plug. But uh, you might not be called to student ministry, but each and every one of us have a calling on our life. Maybe you're not called to students, but what if you're called to witness to your boss? How much joy would there be seeing your boss accept Christ when you pray for him for two months? How much joy would there be seeing a neighbor react from a task that they couldn't complete and you do it for them and then seeing their face light up because something they couldn't do got done? 
Each and every one of us have a task, have an area, have a ministry that we are called to lead in, that we're called to live in. Once we surrender our life to Christ, once we choose to live a life that is focused to Christ, we'll be able to find joy there. That's how you can choose joy. For some of you, maybe you've never witnessed that. Let me encourage you. There's an easy way to start. Just start serving. It could be serving here, get involved with the ministry. we got a bunch of them. We love it. Awesome. It could be involved in a different ministry, one of our community partners, in serving people in our community. It, can also, it doesn't have to be a big step. It never has to be a giant one. It could be as small as serving people you're in your neighborhood, serving someone in your inner circle. There is joy in doing the right thing for Christ and then leaving the rest up to Him. There's joy. I want to encourage you, choose joy by surrendering your life to Christ. And so that was Paul's first option, to live as Christ. That's what he meant. That was the first thing that could happen. He could have continue living and find joy in that life. That was his first option. Then we get to a second option. We'll go back to verse 21. It said, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. His second option was dying and getting to be with Jesus. Some of you are like, we're talking about life. We're talking about joy, all happy things. Why are we, why are we going over this? Why are we going? I get that. So many times when we think of death, we think of, some, we think of dark things. We think of heartbreak. Death brings the thought of sadness. It brings the thought of separation. It brings the thought of ending of the possibilities of everything we want to do. It ends our chance to be able to do all the things on this planet that we want to do. Death brings the end of time that we're able to spend with family. I get that. We all have such a negative view of death. And honestly, so many of us are afraid of death. Do you, under, do you, get, do you relate to any of what I'm saying? I mean, I'll be honest. When I think of death, I think of I'm not ready yet. There's so much more I want to do with Taylor. I want to have kids before I die. I want to continue serving upward students. I want to see what God does in the student ministry to impact the students in Henderson County. There's so much more I want to do. I'm not ready to die yet. So many of us view death in such a negative way, but then we read this, and Paul says something completely different than that thought. He says this in verse 23. He says, my desire is to depart. What? Not only is he not afraid of death, not negative, he says, my desire is to depart. How can he say that? The rest of the verse, what does it say? It says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. See, Paul is writing this and he's thinking about one simple truth that I think so many times we as Christians don't think about. Once we die, once we pass from this earth to the next, if we believe and trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are headed to an eternity in the presence of God. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about heaven, but what it tells us is pretty great. John writes in Revelations that there's no suffering, there's no pain, there's no torture, there's no tears, there's none of the troubles we have on this world. None of that will exist when we get there. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that heaven is unimaginably glorious. That means picture the best place you could ever imagine. It's 100 times better than that. Peter writes in his letter of Peter, he writes that we have an inheritance waiting for us. That when we get to heaven, it's going to be amazing, but none of that is even the best thing. You know the best thing? When we get to heaven, we get to be face-to-face with the one who died on a cross for us. When it's our time to go to heaven, we get to look Jesus face-to-face and let him embrace us in love and physically embracing us with the mightiness that is his love. We get to be in the face-to-face with the presence, in the presence of the one who created everything. That's what death brings. That's what Paul's writing about. Paul knew that, yes, death can cause pain while here on earth, but when it comes our time for it, it brings an eternity of peace. It brings an eternity of joy if we accept and trust in Jesus. Death isn't something to fear. It's something that should bring hope to every single one of us. It should bring a sense of relief knowing that this life we're living now, best life ever, worst life ever. This is just the beginning. 
after this, it's an eternity of joy. God has called us to live the life that we're living. God has called every single one of you to live the life that you're living right now and have joy in that life. But unless Jesus comes back, which is a possibility, every single one of us are going to get to a point where death is our future. I mean, that's, that's going to get to the point. We're going to get there unless Jesus comes back. And Paul found that in that moment, you can have joy there. There's joy not only when we surrender our life, but there's joy when we surrender our death to Christ as well. Paul lived this out. After he wrote this letter, he, most scholars believe that he lived about three to five more years after he wrote this. He never was able to go back and be with the people that he wrote this letter to. He eventually was executed. And that wasn't something Paul feared. It's not something we should fear. It's something that should provide us with an eternity, or provide us with so much joy. Joy knowing that we get to experience life here for what life is. And if we trust in Christ and it's, surrender our lives to him, then when we die, we get to experience even more joy, even more peace, even more love than we can imagine. Paul knew that there is joy in surrendering his death to Christ. Remember, Paul had two possible outcomes. He, that, those were his outcomes. That's what could happen. He could either continue living and find joy in the life for Christ, or it, if it's his time, God would call him home and he could find joy in being with Christ. It's a tough decision, right? Tough outlook. A little bit harder than Brazilian steakhouse or Italian restaurant. A little bit more difficult. Um, but how did he decide? What did he do? He surrendered his future. He surrendered his outcome. He chose to have joy no matter the outcome. We can choose joy when we can't choose the outcome. Again, Paul was in prison when he wrote this, and he knew two possibilities would happen. He'd either be able to be excused from everything he did and freed from prison, or he would be executed. And he was really struggling with what was going to be best. He really was like, God, it's up in your hands, but I don't know which is the one that's going to be better for my future. I mean, look at 22 and 23. He said, but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between the two desires. Paul was struggling with what was going to happen. He was stressing. He was like, I don't know which is better. I honestly don't know. But instead of trying to be the one to figure it out, instead of the one trying to be the one that took control, that took the power in his hands and tried to do anything like that, he did something really big. He removed the burden of his outcome from himself and allowed Jesus to carry that. He surrendered. He chose joy through surrendering. When you fully surrender to Jesus, you remove the burden of your outcome and allow Jesus to carry that. Paul wasn't choosing between life or death. We don't, we, that's not an option we talk about. That's not what we have. But what he was choosing was whether or not to accept the outcome, was whether to take the weight of his outcome on himself or choose to allow Jesus to carry that. Paul knew that if he lived, he would find joy living for Christ. But if he died, he would find joy living with Christ. Paul knew that there was joy either way. It's about surrendering his future, and that's what he did. He allowed God to take his outcome, take his future. When we, stop, when we remove the stress of worrying, when we remove the fear of death, when we stop trying to control every single little aspect of our life, when we stop trying to be the one that's pulling all the strings, taking all the control, when we truly surrender everything we are and everything we have to Jesus Christ, when we get to that point and do that, that's where joy is. When we choose to surrender everything to him, we choose joy. Paul, instead of forcing a decision, he trusted to let God take control of his future. And like we said, Paul ended up living a short couple years after this. Um, and I'm not going to lie, those years were not peaceful. They weren't the best. He ended up being, I'm not sorry to be graphic, but he ended up being beheaded. That's how he died. Um, and the last couple years of his life, they were hard. It wasn't a smooth couple years. 
But in every single outcome, in every situation, in everything that came, Paul had joy. Paul chose joy. He had joy and surrender. And that's what I want you to hear today. True joy comes from fully surrendering to Jesus. My family and I kind of went through a situation a little bit like this some years ago um, where a family member had, was able to have that possible outcomes of joy in living and joy with being with Christ in death. And so my grandpa, his last couple years on life wasn't the easiest. Um, he had skin cancer. He was a type 2 diabetic, had multiple heart surgeries. Um, he had this feeding tube that when it was removed, um, it like messed up his throat. So he couldn't really talk. And when he did, he had a really bad stutter. Um, last couple years of his life was not the smoothest. And I remember my senior year of high school, um, things kind of took a turn for the worst. You see, he was a really big family man. He was, a really, he was an amazing leader of our family. Uh, I remember if you ask anybody on my dad's side right now, if you ask, why do you serve, why do you follow Jesus Christ? They'll say, because of how amazing Jesus is, but because my grandpa got him there. We called him Paul, P-A-W. That's what we called him. His name was Paul. He's my Paul. But I remember my senior year, uh, things took a turn for a worse. Um, he started spending more and more nights in the hospital. He started having a lot of health problems. And uh, he, he was a very independent man. And so when he started having to rely on other people, it caused a lot of more stress and insecurity and pain in his life. And I remember one night we brought him home from the hospital. And me, my dad, and my pa were sitting at a, the dining room table. And we started talking. And we had one of the hardest conversations that I've ever had. I remember my pa looked at us and he said, guys, I just don't know if I'm ready to keep going. He's like, I'm just, he said, I'm ready to stop fighting. He said, I'm tired of waking up every single day to a fight for my life. I'm tired of waking up every single day to the pain, to the not being able to take care of myself, to relying on other people. He said, I'm ready to go home and be with my Savior. He said, I'm ready to go home and be with my wife. And I remember he was a big family man. He was big on education. He always asked about my education, how college was going, how high school was going. And I remember I looked at him and I asked him a question. It might be selfish. It probably was looking back. But I asked him a question. I said, Paul, I graduate in a couple months. Can you hold on just for a little bit longer? I said, I know. I said, I know. Trust me, I know the pain. I can't imagine what you're going through. But we've always talked about graduation. It's something we've always looked forward to. You've cared about it. We've always talked about it. Can you hold on a little bit longer until I graduate high school? My pa passed away March 1st, 2016, less than a year after I graduated high school. And I bring this up because he had the ability to look and he witnessed joy in leaving, leading a life, living a life that Christ had for him. But he also found joy in getting to go home and be with Christ. There is joy in every outcome. The outcome that Paul had, the, the dilemma that Paul had is the same one that we have, the same one that my pa had. We have that problem where every, we don't know what's coming in life. We don't know the outcome. We don't know the stress. We don't know the fights. We don't know the battles. We don't know what's going to come up. We don't know the future. But what we do know is that no matter what, no matter the outcome, no matter what God has for our life, no matter our future, if we surrender it to Him, if we choose to Him, if we choose to allow Him to take control, we can choose joy. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know your situation. I'm looking out, and I don't know what phone calls or text messages are on your phone in your pocket. I don't know what you're going to your car and what battles are waiting for you. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't. But I do know this. No matter what you're facing, joy is a possibility. Look at Paul's dilemma. He had two paths. He could either continue living for Christ or he could die and be with Christ. Either way, there was joy. 
whether you're going out of this doors and going to live the best life that anyone on this earth has ever lived, or you're going to go out and live the hardest life anyone has ever lived. No matter what face, no matter what challenge you face, no matter anything that happens to you, you can choose joy by allowing the choose Jesus to carry your burdens. The burden of your outcome doesn't have to lay on your shoulders. Joy is not determined by our circumstances. It's determined by our choices. Not a choice in life or death, but a choice of whether or not we're going to surrender and allow Jesus to carry it for us. So you all have a choice today. You have a choice. Are you going to continue being the one that carries the weight? Are you going to continue to be the one to try to control everything, to allow to determine your outcomes, to be the one that tries to control what happens to you in the future? Or are you going to choose to be the one that surrenders at all to Christ? If you ever want to close your eyes, bow your head. We all have the possibility... We all have the potential, we have the availability to choose joy by choosing to surrender our life to Christ. And I just want to ask this question. I'm not going to force you anything. If you've never gave your life to Christ, if you've never made that choice to fully surrender your life into the Savior of this world's hands, but today you want to choose to allow him to take control. If you want to accept Jesus as your Savior, will you just raise your hand? I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to make you do anything. I just want to pray for you. Will you just raise your hand? Absolutely. Yeah, we give it up. We celebrate that. Let me ask this question. Maybe you've accepted Jesus. Maybe you've witnessed his amazing love and you've allowed him to be your savior. But maybe sometimes you just struggle with the stress of knowing what the outcome is. You struggle with the chance of, you struggle with the decision of whether or not how to choose joy, how to find joy in whatever the outcome is. If you just like a little prayer for joy, could you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. Absolutely. Here's what we're going to do. If you raised your hand, or maybe you didn't, but if you want to accept Jesus as your Savior today, it's a very simple process on how to do it. All it takes is to slow down and to pray and ask Jesus to come into your life. So we're going to say a prayer together. The church is going to pray with us. Just repeat this after me. It's The prayer isn't what saves you. It's the heart of relying on Jesus. So repeat this after me. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for being my Savior. God, from this day forward, I choose you. I choose surrendering. I choose to allow you to be my God. Come live in my heart and be my Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. God, I pray for every single person in here, for whatever they're going through. I don't know the battles. I don't know the struggles. I don't know the problems. But God, what I do know is that they can have joy. I pray that in the middle of every fight, in the middle of every battle, that they could experience the joy of surrendering it to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 If it's all right, I'm going to say you can extend your hands. I'm going to pray this blessing over you. Uh, It comes from James chapter 1, verse 2, and it says this. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. No matter what comes our way, we can choose to have joy. Now let's go in our community and share that joy, share that love of Christ to anyone that we can come across and live a life focused for Him. We love you. Thanks so much for being here. We can't wait to see you next week.